Welcome to Flip the Library, the Gwinnett County Public Library podcast. My name is Steve Thomas. I am the branch manager at the Collins Hill Branch. And my name is Melissa Grimaud. I'm the branch manager at the Snellville Branch. And today we'll be talking about um, PLA 2020. Um, PLA is a national conference for public library professionals to gather, share ideas, and learn new things. This year, the 2020 Public Library Association Conference was held in Nashville, Tennessee. The theme was Libraries Are Instrumental, which is appropriate for Music City USA. Today, we are here with several staff members who attended the conference to share their experience. Can everyone introduce yourselves? Um, I'm Alex Olson. I'm from the training department. I'm Casey Wallace. I'm also part of the training department. Uh, I'm Don Jackmini. I work in youth services. I'm Erin Birdsong. I also work in youth services. My name is Jenny Lajeunesse. I'm the technical services manager. I'm Joshua Beasley. I'm a supervisory librarian at the Mountain Park branch. I'm Sarah Brubaker, and I am a library associate at the Tequila branch. And I'm Sheila O'Malley. I'm the manager of the customer contact center. So PLA, was it uh, anybody's first conference? And if so, what did you think about it? It looks like everybody has been somewhat of a conference veteran. Uh, I know this was my second uh, at PLA particularly, and I had a gap between my first PLA and now. Um, So it did feel very new uh, to be there again. Uh, It was nice to see a lot of public library specific content Um, and I know that's the whole point of the conference but um, you know a lot of times you get excited about a session from ALA and then you read a little bit deeper and it's not tracked for you at all so (laughs) it's just kind of nice to know that you didn't really have to wait for that shoe to drop. I hadn't been to one in about 12 years Um, so for me, it was like being gone, having gone for the first time, and I was um, pretty exhausted by the end of it. <laughs> but it was it was it was really neat. I mean, just seeing people from from all over the place and uh, getting the perspective of different um, library, uh, you know, staff and what they do in their systems. It was it was really it was fun to see and, and interesting. And I. I actually ran into a librarian who works in San Antonio that I was in high school with who um, <clears throat> has kind of taken a similar path and it was fun to see her as well. So, Was this anyone's first national conference? Because it was my first national conference. I've been to state conferences. Yeah, it was my first uh, na- national conference and it is a lot bigger than GLA. Um, just everything, you know, the, the rooms are bigger. The, uh, the exhibit hall was way bigger. Um, and it did, cause I've been to GLA twice. So it was refreshing to see, uh, how varied public libraries can be because once you go to GLA a few times, you get to know the players, uh, what everyone's kind of doing at, at the state level. Um, but there's just so much more going on in the library field than, than just what's going on here in Georgia. This was also my first national conference, and I had also previously attended GLA 
at both GLA and PLA, I attended as a presenter. So I had that additional lens to everything that I was viewing at both conferences. And GLA is definitely much more homey, smaller scale. Each room probably has between 10 to 30 people. Maybe the really popular sessions have 50. But PLA is on a very different scale. The unpopular sessions still have 100 people. And the really popular ones, the main speakers, uh, can have attendees in the thousands. So it's definitely exciting to see that there are so many people who are passionate about the library field because sometimes it can feel like we're on our own little library island and we know what's going on and we're excited about what's going on but everyone else in our lives is just like what do libraries do again so it's definitely exciting to be in a building that's full of people who care about the library field PLA is known for pretty big speakers. Were any of you able to attend the sessions with featured speakers like Stacey Abrams or Soledad O'Brien? Uh, I guess I'll chime in. Um, I was able to attend all of those, and they were all pretty wonderful. Stacey Abrams was amazing. She was inspiring. You know, she's uh, uh, here from Georgia, so we were excited to see her. Um, Soledad O'Brien, I thought, got off to a bit of a slow start, but brought it around and was really interesting. And then Samantha B was was really funny and engaging to close the conference out. I was a little bit surprised just um, about how political it got, regardless of how much I agreed with them. It seemed a bit strange how clear the political bent was from all of the speakers. Um, and I wonder how many librarians in the audience reacted negatively to that. Um, but it was great that a public library conference attracted and was able to book names as big as that. So I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I was able to attend the session with Stacey Abrams, and that was my first time really hearing her speak. So I enjoyed that. Um, for me as a bonus, I know a lot of people um, really like Stacey Abrams because of her politics. That's what she's known for right now. Uh, but I had the added bonus of the fact that I am a very avid romance reader and she used to write romance under um, Selena Montgomery, I believe was her name. So that had a little extra layer for me. She didn't really talk about her books, which I wasn't expecting um, because you know she is very much on the political train right now. Uh, but that was interesting to have sort of that extra dynamic uh, to it for me personally, listening to her speak. Alex, have you ever read any of her books? Uh, I have not because they've been out of print, I think, for a while. Um, but I definitely have them on my list. I realized the connection when she was first um, running for office and people started talking about uh, that she had written romance books. So I definitely looked up all of her books. And um, I think we actually bought a bunch of them afterwards. So I think we have them in our catalog now, which is um, probably where I will get them once we have access to our books again. Uh, I did go to the Stacey Abrams session and I will agree with Don, although I wasn't particularly shocked because I, I do know that in the larger conferences, the political tone is a lot more overt. It's a lot more left-leaning than I think we're used to being I mean, we, I mean, we do see it a lot in Georgia libraries, but it, it is much more broadcast, I think, on the larger stage. 
Um, so yeah, there is a point of view, I think with, um, the speakers, uh, I saw, um, Sonia Sotomayor, uh, at ALA, uh, who is a political figure, but she's a judge and she's by her role in the government, um, comes across very neutral. Whereas you have somebody like Stacey Abrams, who is a, politician and is uh on a ticket so she she has a much more pronounced point of view because she's on a ticket um and and she's allowed to be uh i guess by her by nature of her role to have that uh bias i guess you would say but i think the issues that she was able to talk about uh were very thought-provoking and not inflammatory and i i liked her speaking style in that way um it wasn't fluff to rally a base it was more like you know issues we should be concerned about for every political party like voter representation and um fairness of elections and things like that and granted this hits really home for the people in georgia but um and it was ironic to have to leave Georgia in order to see <laughs> somebody who is from basically our, our home state. Um, but I really did like seeing how people outside of our state responded to her as well, even if it was sort of like preaching to the choir kind of feeling. Um, but uh, I, I do think some of her um, issues that she brought to the forefront were worth exploring just in their own right. Um, without it feeling like you're at a political rally, <laughs> if that makes sense. So obviously we talked about there's what, 8,000 8, people were there. So there were hundreds of sessions. Um, what are some of the other sessions besides the big speakers that you guys found um, interesting? Um, I went to a session called Empathetic customer service training. And I actually got to catch up with the speaker for just a few minutes because she was a friend from library school. So I was really excited to see her and really proud of the fact that she's become an assistant director in Ohio. And she was uh, talking to a big group at PLA to talk about her training that she does for her staff and that she's been doing for a while. And I really loved it because in her session, she put words to a lot of things that I sort of had rolling around in my mind lately about how customer service depends on empathy and how so many of us experience some empathy fatigue and uh, things like that. And I, I would love to get her four hour training <laughs> um, if she were closer. So it, that was that was a big one for me. I went to a session about what the Calgary Library is doing with their mobile library. I don't know if you guys saw the picture Charles sent out um, before this all happened, but we um, just got ours finished finally, and it's beautiful, and we're really excited to get out and program with it. Um, so getting to see what uh, libraries are already doing successfully was really neat, um, and ours looks very much like theirs, so I think that we'll be able to use it in the same kind of way. What they're doing... Um, one of the things they're doing anyway, they've gotten involved with um, the home daycares. <clears throat> um, so they're going to do like story times in the library vehicles. So they're not going into people's homes or, you know, just coming to the house and um, doing story times for these families. And they're making it a, um, 
like a monthly series, which is really neat and having a really big impact on their community. So that was really cool to see. And I'm excited to get started with ours once we get back. Yeah. Uh, so I attended a session um, on staff inclusion in decision making. And what I actually found really interesting when I sat through the session was how much of uh, what they were doing were things that we were already doing as well. Things like forming teams for large projects uh, that pull staff from various areas, um, you know, sending staff to conferences, having hangouts with either project teams or the executive director, things like that. So I thought that was really interesting to see. You know, it's always nice to know that uh, your library is doing a good job on something. And so, um, you know, I enjoyed that aspect of it. And it was neat to see how things that another library was, was doing that were similar to what we were doing, but how they might be doing it differently and ways that we might be able to sort of up our game on some of uh, the ways that we incorporate staff from all parts of our library into particularly large decision making. Uh, so I thought that session was really interesting, both for the similarities that I could draw between their library and ours, and also for things that we could potentially do to improve um, incorporating staff in our decision making. A lot of the sessions that were presented talked about programming, talked about customer service. But one of the sessions that I really appreciated was called Building the Case for Hashtag eBooks for All, because that is a situation that is almost a little bit more political in nature with regards to the library field. It's something that is frequently um, outside of our comfort zone because it's not something that is happening directly in front of us in our branches, but that still affects our library services. So uh, for those who may not be familiar, the um, Macmillan company decided to place an embargo on their ebooks. This was, I believe, about the middle of 2019 and made it so that libraries could only purchase a limited number of copies of their ebooks when they first released. And this session talked about the progress that's being made on lifting that embargo. But it, there were some positives and negatives presented in that discussion because there are definitely actions being taken by various libraries. There's a lack of unity on a national scale to consistently address the issue. And we noticed that just in some of the ways the speakers talked, they mentioned things that were being done on a local level. You know, we're talking to this person on the subcommittee on here. And some of us just mentioned how a similar issue came up with Amazon, where a publisher tried to embargo Amazon's rights and it got shut down within 24 hours because Amazon took a very strong stand. So that was one session that was different because it does talk about something that affects us broadly, but that because it is so wide of scale, sometimes libraries aren't completely coming together to address it as a unified team. So it did show me that we are proud of our work and that we want to bring the best service to our customers, but that we do still have room to grow as an industry, as a business in ensuring that we have strong relationships with our vendors, our publishers, and the other companies that we work with. 
And the update to that is last week, McMillan did drop the embargo, so. Oh, woohoo! I won't take too much time, but I went to um, a session about um, peer navigators in public libraries um, that I found really interesting because it we can maybe try something on a smaller scale. But anyway, um, it was the Kalamazoo Public Library partnered with the Recovery Institute in uh, in the area, um, which is basically um, a place where people go, obviously, to recover from addiction, uh, drug, alcohol abuse, all that. Um, and they recruited volunteers from the recovery center who were either uh, far into recovery or recovered themselves to be um, peer navigators at the library. They had a table set up and these uh, peer navigators would approach and or uh, engage with uh, customers who were in the library who were um, experiencing some sort of uh, situation, you know, addiction or homelessness or mental illness. Um, and I, I, I found it interesting because basically these people that have been through it can kind of recognize the signals and the signs and they they can approach these people who are in these situations and get them to talk and get them to feel safe and comfortable. Um, and it kind of takes the stress and the pressure off of the staff. And then if there's security kind of takes the pressure off of them and maybe cuts down on the number of, you know, potential incidents or, um, but also kind of maybe alleviate, alleviate some of the stress that the customer, other customers may have when someone like that's in the building, you know, but uh, it, it just, the peer navigator worked with the staff and with the security because they would tell the navigator when somebody was in the building that might potentially be someone they could talk to. Um, and it just, it, it's just kind of a neat thing. It's, they I think they were, they were considering having a social worker as a future possibility, but the fact that they had someone who had been through the whole recovery process that was there to engage with these with these customers that we're not always sure how to engage with you know um it's intimidating and it's um you know if you don't have the lived experience it's a harder it's harder for you to communicate with them but this person who has lived experience can really kind of make them feel welcome and comfortable in the library which is a place for everybody so you know i'd like to follow up with a question about the peer navigators well, were these peer navigators only for people with substance abuse issues or were they also for homelessness? Because I've heard them used for both situations. Yes, they were both. Um, so the, 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 they had one person at the, on the panel who was, who was a volunteer, who was a peer navigator. And she explained her situation and that they, they do, they handle um, or they talk to people uh, you know, homelessness, mental illness, addiction. So the recovery center, I think, deals with a, a, a lot of different issues. And so they, they have volunteers um, that they've, they work with that have, you know, that have gone through, uh, you know, I, I think she might've been in a homelessness situation herself at one point, the, the navigator that was there. And um, so she explained how she kind of went through the process and, uh, so yeah, that definitely is is part of it. Mm -hmm. I also went to the empathetic customer service presentation that Jenny went to, and I thought it was amazing. So I second that one as well. And get more information about that one. It was it was, and the training would be amazing. So sorry. 
for many of uh, the staff members who attended um, actually presented. So can you tell us about your session and how did it go? Well, if you want, Melissa, we can go ahead and start with this one. Yes. Okay. I guess Steve and I will start because we also presented and um, I think like everyone, we were nervous because we get to speak to um, our fellow GCPL peers and you guys are so nice and friendly um, and wonderful. So it was a very different experience speaking at a national conference in front of people that we are not familiar with. Though um, we had great support from GCPL staff who came to support us. So there were friendly faces in the crowd. Yeah. So, and, and it's kind of meta, I guess, that we presented about this podcast <laughs> um, and to, to talking about generally using podcasting specifically as a professional development. So not so much using, you know, uh, customer focused podcasts like a lot of libraries do, but do it using it the way we do generally of teaching our staff about what's going on at GCPL. Um, and we got, we got pretty good attendance, um, including like Melissa said, some of our GCPL friends. Um, I, think, I think we all kind of supported each other and went to each other's sessions as much as we could. So, Vicki Perez and I presented on bilingual customer service at the public library and we were in the last session slot of the conference right before the final keynote speaker. So we got the joy of anticipating our presentation for the whole conference. <laughs> but it was, for me, the highlight of the whole experience. I was nervous leading up to it. But as soon as we started talking, we just fell into the comfort of our material because we have not only practiced so many times, but this is something that both of us are very passionate about and that we feel very comfortable improvising, talking about, because we have so many experiences. Both of us work with the various language programs at GCPL, and as bilingual Spanish-English speakers, we serve those customers all the time. So when it came time for people to participate and ask questions, we felt very comfortable addressing those on the fly because it's all material that is very close to our hearts. So I loved that opportunity and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, you guys did a great job. And also, can I do a plug for our training department that prepared all of us so well? Like you could definitely see the difference between people who had I wouldn't even have to say a training department, but who had some kind of formal presentation practice and those who didn't. So Alex and Casey, you are amazing. <laughs> and everyone who has presentation practice. Yeah, uh, that's actually how I was going to uh, start mine. I did African-American genealogy. Um, and I think what really helped with that was the presentation practice um, because uh, going to some of the other sessions, um, not that they weren't great. It was just some of the tips they had given me during presentation practice kept going through my mind. And I'd be like, Oh, they've got, they've got too many words on their slide. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think it was easily the largest group I'd ever spoken to. Um, and it was nice to have some friendly faces from GCPL in the crowd. Um, and my session, I think, was received really well as um, afterwards um, we, we kind of ran over on time and I was having to like pack up my stuff and still 
answer uh, questions from librarians um, and then talk to some and and the hallway afterwards. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a truly unique experience and I would encourage any staff to get the chance if you're passionate about a project. I think like Sarah said, that passion really helps when you're presenting um, and the audience can pick up on that and it makes for a much better presentation. Yeah, I presented with a group of other metro area librarians and I was nervous beforehand because we had not practiced at all since we all work at different places. So all I was confident about was my own 10 to 15 minutes maybe, but we were able to snag a room the day before and run through it and get on the same page. Uh, and it ended up going really, really well. We had a really good group. We ended up having good questions. People were very receptive about the message we were talking about concerning collaborative efforts between libraries, something we've been working on piecemeal for, for years. Um, and so I came out of it just kind of reinvigorated. Um, I had the same experience as Josh, people asking questions afterwards out into the hallway, people following up through email with questions and asking for resources. Um, but it really just kind of felt like an honor to be able to speak about something I cared about to uh, a, a national audience. Um, and, you know, anybody with any uh, desire to move forward in their career, I would highly encourage them to to try and do presentations on topics they care about because it's gratifying and uh, it's a great way to expand your network. Yeah, um, I just kind of wanted to mention regarding presentation practice and what we do to prepare. Uh, I really enjoyed watching how we present ourselves. Uh, of course I do. Um, but also comparing it with what other people do. Um, I have to say the most compelling presentations, and this is kind of not a secret, is to have that blend of the emotional and the factual. And I think we managed to hit that balance really, really well. And that goes beyond just the technical, how many words are on a slide, which I know we really get into that when we do presentation practice. But when I look looked at the audience, the questions that they had, um, the voting with their feet, you know, if they were leaving. And we really didn't have much of that. And I honestly think that it has to do with the type of forum we were at too. All of the sessions had to do with public libraries. I think when you're at ALA and people get up and walk out, uh, now you know not to take that so personally if you did in the past. Um, because honestly, you may be speaking to a very niche library or an academic library and they didn't realize that this wasn't for them. So, uh, but at a public library conference with that specific group of people, uh, I think people really were interested in our topics. Um, but not only that, you could tell by the types of questions that they asked, what they connected with, what resonated with them. And I really hope uh, that this particular group of presenters, uh, you guys are ready to push past the technical bits and start getting really comfortable with your material of, you know, sort of that looking up from your notes feeling like you're just bracing yourself to get through the presentation. You, you want to make sure it landed. And I think all you guys were able to do that. I think you were able to connect with your audience, tell a narrative, um, 
uh, a good example would be with the, the bilingual service uh, presentation. That could be so dry. You could be very dry with that content. And I don't think you were. I think you were able to inject the feelings of when somebody comes up to you or the feelings of misstepping. And I think you need to inject that into your technical instruction, which you were able to do. And I think um, going forward, that might be some of the analysis that we put into the mix when we review presentations. Yeah, I'll say I, I, I thought Sarah and Vicky's presentation was one of the best ones that I saw. So that that not that's, not that's not just because they're our colleagues, but it really was. You could t- you could feel their passion for what they were doing. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so, did anybody get to go explore the exhibit hall? And if you did, did you see anything that excited you? And especially, I guess those people who had only been to GLA before, it's a kind of different, <laughs> larger version of what they have for GLA. Uh, Sheila, Sheila and I teamed up. We were, uh, we were conference buddies and we, um, took the, the passport game they have in the back of the program guide. So at the beginning of these conferences, usually they'll give you, uh, a little, um, booklet uh, with all the information on the sessions, the maps, the vendor locations and things like that. Uh, but most have a way to encourage engagement. So Sheila and I forced ourselves to get out of our comfort zone and actually talk to strangers about things we probably don't need to know about but are interesting to know about. So we went to every single uh, vendor in the little passport game and talked to people about what they had, got their stamp. We didn't end up winning any prizes, but it was a great way to talk to people, learn about new things. And a few of the vendors were relevant to what we were doing. It was totally worthwhile. So um, it can be an overwhelming experience being in a room that big with uh, people wanting to sell you things that you can't buy. But um, we managed to make it into a fun experience. Yeah, uh, just the difference between GLA and PLA's exhibition hall was was kind of staggering. Uh, it was a little intimidating walking into uh, that building uh, or that room and seeing all the, the books that were available, all the vendors. Um, one thing that really stood out was how many actual book vendors were there um, and being able to talk to them. And a lot of authors were there as well. So you actually got to talk to some of the authors about their work and, and why they thought it was important, which was uh, a nice perspective to have. Um, and I was able to get a, a signed copy of a choose your own adventure book for my son. And, and he really dug that. So. So we had an opportunity to talk with the vendor Communico who will be hosting, I guess, or uh, our new web calendar, which will roll out hopefully soon. Uh, I think that's one of our uh, projects running in the background that will be rolled out sooner rather than later. Um, it is a digital thing. So, you know, that's our, <laughs> the name of the game right now. Um so that's interesting. Communico also allows for room bookings and we're going to be looking into that and how that will fit with how we use our room bookings. So uh, I believe we would be starting with the big meeting rooms. Um, some of the features you have to look forward to, we can have registrations. Uh, so any of those like computer type classes or learning lab type classes where there's a limited number of materials, you can actually have the public just sign themselves up 
and you don't have to worry about a Google sheet and turning it off and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, in your calendar entries, you can add uh, multimedia, which I thought was kind of cool. So if there was a video um, or anything along those lines, you just have a couple more options to add things in. Um, but there will be more instructions following this about what staff can expect from the new calendar. Uh, but we are looking forward to that. The other thing I want to say about the vendor hall that I wish they would do every year or kind of start thinking more along these lines. I thought it was awesome that they had a photo booth for headshots. It's so simple. I don't think I'd seen it before. I mean, who wouldn't benefit from that? Um, I remember when I joined Pinnacle a couple of years ago and all of a sudden they wanted a nice picture of me that needed to go around the state. <laughs> it was going to be published in a statewide guide. And I was like, oh, I don't know that I have one of those. So I had to go run around and make one. Um, I just think that's great for every professional to have one because you never know. And for a professional conference to really help boost people's careers with specific materials that are functional like that was great. Um, so if there's any way they could expand that and think of other tools that people need uh, and have that in the vendor hall as well, that that would be super cool to see that. Uh, and I hope they do the headshots at every conference every year. I think that's a great idea. So for those of you that spent time in the exhibit hall, what was your favorite swag item or freebie that you got? Uh, so like Josh had mentioned, uh, there were a lot of book vendors there, which was really cool. And a lot of them were giving away um, free books, many of which were um, early releases for books that haven't even been published yet. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. And on the last day, they even most of the vendors, I believe, if not all, um, basically gave away everything, which I imagine they probably didn't want to bring all those books back <laughs> to their offices. And uh, so I got a lot of free books, probably more than I should have gotten because I have enough things to read already. Um, but one I haven't read it yet, but I'm very excited for was um, the first book in a new uh, like science fiction. Um, I think it's science fiction romance crossover series, but uh, it's called um, Deal with the Devil by Kit Rosha, and it is actually a part, it's the first in what they're calling the Mercenary Librarians series. So I thought it was very fitting, and uh, it's basically a post-apocalyptic world where, you know, everything is has gone really bad, and there's this group of uh, librarians that travel around basically collecting important artifacts and books to save them, essentially. Uh, so I thought that was fitting for them giving that away at the conference. And I would heard about it before, so I was really excited. Um, I believe it comes out in July. So um, I thought that was neat to have something, you know, to get an advanced copy of a book and also one that's so library themed. Yeah, and, and like Josh, I ended up uh, getting things for my kids <laughs> that I found. So that was fun and a good little gift when it got back. And I was also... Um, lucky enough to get invited to an author dinner um, at, by, by Sourcebooks publisher. And one of the authors there was Carolyn B. Cooney, who usually writes um, young adult titles, but she's coming out with a new adult title. Um, so uh, got to meet her and talk to her. I'd read her books earlier in my life. <laughs> like, like the face on the milk carton and things like that are her. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then there was a couple of other authors that they're debut authors. So, and they gave us copies of their upcoming books. Um, so that was neat. And cause then you could have them right there so you can have them sign the book and everything too. And it was, it was a lot of fun. The books were definitely the greatest swag items of the conference. Although I will mention that it does, um, there is a bit of a, how do I phrase this? Um, only some genres of books are represented strongly. I lucked out in that the genre I like to read, which is YA sci-fi fantasy, was pretty well represented. So I got 35 books, and the ones that I'm not keeping for myself, I get to put into our summer reading prize um, stack. But uh, I do know that as far as the adult collection went I saw mostly general fiction and historical fiction and not as much of the genre fiction like romance sci-fi fantasy that kind of thing so there is a bit of a leaning at the conference as far as what publishers are represented or what genres they're really emphasizing I just happen to be in a great place to (laughs) lug around a lot of books all day (laughs) I like was hurting my shoulder with carrying such a heavy bag and that was on me but I had a great time with that so that was a wonderful experience and I noticed that the vendors would change out which books they had on display on a regular basis so you could pass by the same booth a dozen times and get different books every time so that was kind of a treasure hunt and that made it fun uh, one thing that I found that was kind of fun and odd was there was like a um, kind of a prestige about which uh, tote bags you could get from vendors. So if you were carrying around a uh, a good tote bag, you would get stopped by tons of people going, oh, where'd you get that? Or I, I tried to get that, but they only had, you know, 50 to give out. Man, you're so lucky. Um, and it was kind of fun to be able to collect the tote bags and show them off. <laughs> Librarians love totes. (laughs) So one of the main reasons, obviously, that they send us to these conferences is to learn things that we can bring back to improve our work at GCPL. Um, Does anybody have anything in particular that you learned at a session or speaking to a vendor or something that would help you kind of directly improve your work? I went to um, actually a uh, vendor event, but a few librarians were able to present how they're using that vendor's products like Collection HQ to do some in-branch marketing. And what I saw was different from what we do in our branches. So I am going to download the slides and just share them maybe with some branch managers to say, this is what other people are doing. We could give it a try in conjunction with using that product, hopefully in the near future. Um, I went to a session about environmental literacy, which I actually attended because Jana has been working really hard on um, a new program um, in the parks, not just our park story time, but um, I think she's calling it Green Guardians, uh, which is an environmental club that we're going to be doing hopefully eventually. (laughs) Um, And so I just wanted to go and bring her more information about that, about what they're doing. And um, I got a Uh, a bunch of lesson plans and all kinds of stuff to share with her for that program that she's been working so hard on. Uh, One that seems really relevant right now was uh, on self-care that I went to. And, you know, uh, some of my coworkers, even beforehand, life is stressful in general um, and self-care is very important. Um, On that one, I'm kind of taking it in reverse now because 
it was about making time for yourself and what not to do during that self time, um, which is still kind of important, like putting down your phone, not looking at the news, not doing social messenger um, with everything going on. That can be very therapeutic at the moment. Um, but it, it's also when we're having to do work from home right now, it's nice to set that aside and use this, some of the same skills that they were talking about to set time aside for work. And uh, this is going to be my work time, take away distractions um, and just make it about getting uh, what I need to get done, done, and then still finding a healthy space. Yeah. I think th those are good lessons even outside of a pandemic. So. <laughs> uh, one thing I would add is that it's uh, a theme that, comes up all the time at a lot of these conferences is building evaluation into whatever you're doing. And that's something libraries really struggle to do, I think, or at least to find qualitative means of collecting feedback. Um, so it's just a nice reminder to, to try and build that into your programming and events or whatever you're trying to do in the library and try and collect feedback from patrons and people you're working with. But the other thing um, I wanted to throw in there is that I'm sure all of us have typed up notes and have shared in our respective departments and branches. So if anyone listening is curious about the sessions, uh, there's probably a lot of documents internally that exist. So let us know and we will be happy to share to whomever. Thank you for mentioning that, Don. Yes, we do have quite a bit of information between all of us in the various um, sessions we attended. So um, messaging us um, separately would probably help if you heard about a session that um, you would like to learn more about. I'll also mention that if you want documentation or to catch up on something that you would have liked to have seen, that all that documentation is on the PLA website, I believe, or through the app. Um, so you can see slides and other handouts. I was surprised. There, there were a lot of documents uh, attached to the different sessions. So when I found myself torn between two options that happened at the same time, I would uh, pour through them and say, okay, well, you win <laughs> and go to that one. So um, a major part of conferences is networking. Um, did anyone make any new connections or meet any interesting library professionals? Yes. After my presentation, uh, I was approached by Sarah Osterman, uh, Osman, I think her name is. Uh, she is with the American Library Association's Public Programming Office, and she is the editor for the ALA website Programming Librarian. Um, and she really enjoyed my session and has actually reached out to um, have me write a article or a series of articles uh, on doing geology programming in specific. Um, so I thought that was uh, an interesting opportunity that I, I wouldn't have been able to get uh, without actually going and doing this presentation. I was going to one of these sessions on uh, database training and I happened to run into Jenny who was uh, also attending the session. And so she was there with someone she knew from uh, the DeKalb County Library. And I got to talking with him and he basically does training for their library. And so we were sort of swapping ideas and in particular focus on databases because that was a session we were in. And so that was a really nice opportunity to connect with not just another library, but also a local library. And um, in particular, he was very interested in our um, 
reference spotlights that we do in training because they've been trying to do uh, a similar thing to increase knowledge about their databases, but trying to do it in a way that might be fun or interesting, which hopefully our reference spotlights are. Um, I know some might be more boring than others. But uh, so he was really interested in that. And he told me about some of the other stuff that they're doing. Uh, so I really enjoy doing that. I have been to a couple of conferences, but this is the first time I've actually talked with someone who does training at their library. Uh, so a lot of times the majority of people attending, whether it's ALA or PLA, um, I haven't been to GLA yet, but it's a lot of, uh, you know, library. Per <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a lot of library professionals who are working directly with customers or they may be in some of the other support departments, but not every library is fortunate enough to have a dedicated training department. So it was nice to connect with someone that, you know, does what I do for GCPL and really share um, at that level. So I enjoyed that. And uh, thank you, Jenny, for talking to someone that, you know, because I would not have probably spoken to him just randomly. Uh, so it helped to have someone uh, in between who knew both of us. Yeah, that's one of the really exciting parts of going to a conference is uh, going back and exploring those networks with people you haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I, I know. I have a few people who are at this point, I've gone to way too many conferences. So now I've got kind of conference buddies. <laughs> so I've got people that I only see at conferences. So it may be, you know, three or four years since I've seen them, but maybe we've communicated over email or something like that. And so it's just fun to reconnect with people. So what would you say to a colleague to encourage them to attend a conference in the future? I would say that going to a conference and meeting other people who do exactly what you do makes you realize that you're not alone in the universe. So even though I'm not the only librarian at GCPL, I'm the only technical services manager, and it really helps me to go out and get in touch with other technical services managers, especially ones who are in libraries of my type and size, and I can see exactly what they're doing. And a lot of times I find out that they're facing the exact same challenges and having some of the exact same victories that I'm having. So it's nice to just catch up on that. Um, I would definitely encourage anyone who's interested in going to a conference, uh, speaking as someone who is extremely introverted, which may be a surprise to some people considering I stand in front of classes and teach. Um, but I big, huge crowds like the exhibit hall and big sessions with hundreds and hundreds of people can be really intimidating. And I know Sheila mentioned earlier about being just exhausted at the end of the conference, which everyone usually is, whether uh, you thrive on that kind of environment or not. But um, even if you feel like it might be just a lot for you or you don't know what you could contribute, there's always something that you can learn, whether that's something you can bring back to GCPL or just something for you personally. There were some sessions I attended that were not necessarily uh, things that I may use in the workplace, but were really nice um, tips that I can use in any situation, whether it's my work or my personal life. 
And on top of all the sessions, if you're attending the conference with other GCPL staff members, it's a really great opportunity to get to know people that you maybe don't work with directly because they're at another branch or another department. Um, I know personally, I spent a lot of time with uh, Sarah and Vicki during the conference because we were staying at the same hotel. Uh, we even took a little car ride over to a huge uh, used bookstore, um, McKay's, which was amazing. And uh, so it was really nice to spend time with some other people at GCPL and just network internally within our own library system, not just with other libraries. So uh, you have the benefit of both the conference itself, but also getting to know your coworkers a lot more. Um, and in this particular one as well, we carpooled. So I got to know my carpool buddies really well. And I learned a lot about uh, the people that I rode with, um, Jenny, Daniel, and Denise. So that was really nice to, to get to know them more too. So there's a lot that you can benefit from just getting to know your coworkers in addition to the conference itself. Yeah, same here with the carpooling thing. Melissa, Sarah, and I um, went, up, went up and down, up and back together. And that was a fun little trip. And you, like you said, you get to learn to know people that, you know, don't, like I've, I've never worked with Sarah before. I you know, know her vaguely, but now we get to work. I, I know her a little bit better. So. Now he knows that I crochet like a little old lady. Fair <laughs> <laughs> in her nest. Yeah. And on what Alex said, yeah, don't let the fact that you're an introvert try to keep you from going to this kind of thing because this profession attracts introverts are probably three quarters of the people at the conference are feeling exactly like you are on the inside. Um, so um, it, it is a good opportunity. So Because I work behind the scenes. Uh, it was really awesome to be around lots of people. Um, I have an extrovert who's kind of turned into an introvert because of my position now, unfortunately. And so I really appreciated the opportunity to be out among the people um, and to uh, just, just see the excitement and the, and the, the fun of the library again, because my perspective has changed a lot in the last couple of years. So it was, it was excellent. So yeah, I would hopefully, maybe some of my staff will eventually get to go to one of these when they decide they want to. <laughs> So, yeah. Mm -hmm. As we stated earlier, this year's uh, conference was held in Nashville, Tennessee, um, nicknamed Music City. Did anyone take advantage of the location? Well, I, it, I know Mo Mo Melissa, Casey, and I got some great uh, breakfast tacos. Yes. And Casey and I had a nice um, field trip to the Nashville Public Library. And it's a gorgeous, I believe it's a Carnegie library. Am I correct, Casey, on that? Yes, it is. And they also have a lovely, I guess they didn't even want to use the word partnership, but like integrated relationship with their puppetry arts. Yes. So their children's section, like their whole wing was very desirable. But also the theater and the stage they had was awesome. It was just amazing. And the staff was super friendly. They were really easy to talk to. Um, the architecture in the kids' room was adorable. It looked super fun. I wanted to play on it. And, of course, like, the teen center and the – well, their learning lab setup, because they had something similar to us, just kind of more space and more stuff in it. Uh, but the components were very similar, but that, that was specifically geared to teens. It wasn't like an all ages thing. So I think they're missing the boat on that part, but 
other than that, I mean, it's really hard to, you know, pick apart their setup. It's pretty cool. Yeah, the Nashville Public Library was very impressive and welcoming. And for a, a public library in a major city center, I think they were doing things right with being inclusive and um, allowing everyone in the community to participate. It's the first public library I've seen with the television that people can just sit and watch. I got to attend a special event at the Nashville Public Library that was in conjunction with the conference, but was kind of its own separate thing. And it was a puppet show that they put on in their theater. So it was a lot of fun. I have never gone to a puppet show, and that's really why I went, because I was thinking about The Sound of Music and their cute little marionettes that they have. And that's exactly what it was like. And it was library staff that were the puppeteers but they had a whole collection of easily probably 50 puppets that I'm sure that they got through that partnership um, with uh, the local um, kind of puppetry society, I suppose. And the puppet show was basically the history of country music. And so it went through all of these different music artists from probably the last hundred Um, maybe longer, 100 years or so, and just had cute little puppet routines uh, that changed over every every minute or two to represent the history of the music of this area. So it was really um, steeped in the Nashville culture. And it was wonderful that the library was able to host something like that because they have the great facilities and they had the materials to make it happen. Uh, So the carpool that I was riding in, we arrived a little bit earlier than uh, most of the other carpools. So I actually had a couple hours before the opening session started. And uh, so I went over and I checked out the the conference venue and then went and got lunch. And as I was walking back, it was freezing that first day. And even though I checked the weather, apparently I just did not pack correctly. So I was very cold. And uh, so I noticed the Country Music Hall of Fame, which obviously Nashville, so that makes sense. So uh, they have some of it open to uh, the public without having to pay for admission. So I went in there because it was significantly warmer inside. I'm not really a country music fan, uh, though I did listen to some country music growing up since my dad likes it. Uh, But they had like their gift shop and um, some other areas. They had like a small restaurant and there's a um, shop in there that makes signs, which from my understanding has been around for a very, very long time and is very famous. Uh, but they had, you know, some areas that were just open without having to pay admission. So that was really cool um, to kind of walk around it, that area. And if I'd had more time, I probably would have tried to actually go uh, see the full um Country Music Hall of Fame, but there just wasn't really time for that. So uh, that was neat. And the that whole area, that building and the conference venue as well were just architecturally very, very interesting and very cool. And um, my hotel shuttle driver, one of the times he was talking about how the uh, building, if you're looking at it from above, it looks like a guitar. And that was kind of how they designed it. So he gave me some interesting facts about, um, you know, sort of the local architecture and history. Uh, So that was nice. I think this plays kind of into the networking question as well. But um, I think at any conference that you go to, you should take the time to explore the city you're in. 
uh, after the conference hours are over. Um, you know, every night I, of the conference, I, I went out, um, like one night I was able to go out with some people from Richland to a sushi bar. Um, uh, one night, uh, I went with Sarah Brubaker and we, we saw, um, some of our, about uh, state university professors and other students. And then, uh, one night I went to karaoke with people from DeKalb library, Atlanta library, Athens, Clark, that I'd never met before. Um, and anywhere you go out in Nashville, obviously there's going to be music in the evenings, um, uh, which was, was, a kind of a delight, uh, even if you're not into that kind of music. Um, but it's, it's a great way to explore the city and also make those networks, those connections. Cause you'll, you'll have much more, uh, kind of intimate conversations with other librarians, uh, in the evening while you're having dinner more so than when you're sitting in like a panel session. Um, so I think it's, it's a great opportunity to, to take that time. And actually, you know, I know after the conference, you're tired and you kind of want to retreat, especially if you're an introvert, um, but make that extra effort and get out. That was Nashville. That was PLA. And uh, I went to college right near Nashville. So uh, it was good for me to kind of come back what feels like home. So that was nice. Well, thank you, everyone, for sharing your experience at um, PLA in 2020. Hopefully the rest of our coworkers enjoy listening. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a great uh, weekend, I guess. Hey. We're headed around the weekend. I don't even know what day it is anymore. I know. I'm just trying to survive the pollen. <laughs>